I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Walker here, and we're doing another show on narcissism. And I say another, not like, oh, another. I mean, (laughs) these are the topics that you guys care about. Uh, We get these requests for these and we get these downloaded the most. So, and we love talking about it. So we will, um, we will be covering something called narcissist kryptonite. And we'll be talking about what that is today. But first uh, we want to say hello to Dr. Paul Meyer. Hello, Kristen. Hello, Melanie. (laughs) And Melanie Van. Hey guys. Nice to be here. So first off, we we did have someone send in uh, some a couple of dreams. We're going to get to the narcissist narcissist kryptonite stuff, but we've got someone that emailed in um, two dreams that they asked Paul to. Uh, well, they said some recurring dreams that they have uh, written down here to delight Dr. Meyer. So the first one is cannot find my class in school because I have not been provided with the schedule. Variation is not being able to succeed in a class because the teacher has never provided me with the textbook despite repeated requests or not being told what page everyone in the class is on for the material that I do have. Yeah. All all yours, uh, Paul. (laughs) Yeah. For those in our listening family, uh, I love dreams. And uh, as a psychiatrist, I've asked, clients their dreams for uh 42 straight years now and uh, when i did therapy i used to ask them all the time uh i don't do as much now that i do most of the medications but and i wrote a book on dreams called windows of the soul that um i don't think it's still in print but if you go to amazon or barnes and noble and look up uh, paul meyer m-e-i-e-r windows of the soul they usually have uh, uh used copies for a couple bucks plus $30 shipping and handling, you know? Send us your kidney. Uh, but anyway, the book. Yeah. I love dreams. So if any of you in our listening family want to send in some, we'll, we'll share them in a, we'll figure out a way to get them in the program. So anyway, I'm not going to use this gal's name, but uh, the, the first dream that uh, you're in a class and, and, uh, and either you can't open your locker or you can't find the class or there's no schedule um, and things like, like she mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. Usually, it's because of uh, the, the reason I'm sharing these dreams now is because it, it, it often has to do with a narcissistic parent. Um, mm. uh, if you have a parent when you're growing up that has excessive demands on you and feels like the world revolves around him and, or her, and if you exist for the pleasure of that parent, in other words, you're an object rather than. Uh, you know, somebody that the parent is delighted to have in their lives that they can live for, uh, you're an object that can make them look good. And uh, so uh, you have to, um, so so the, uh, that parent would have unrealistic expectations of you. So when you grow up, you always feel like you're falling short. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I can't pass that test. You have a dream about not getting to class on time. You have a dream uh, like, like she did here uh the teacher didn't give me a textbook. In other words, the, the parent, instead of teacher, it's the narcissistic parent who told you what they expect, but, but no matter what you do, you can't quite 
find out what win. it is because they don't explain it. They don't they don't give you a textbook. Um, mm-hmm. uh, or not being told what page everyone in the class is on. Um, things like that. And then and then the second dream that this uh, uh, woman in our listening family sent us is um, she dreams that her spouse um, keeps leaving the doors unlocked. And, uh, and, and she said in reality that did happen repeatedly. Um, and uh, so she and feels seeing like danger she, through the windows. Yeah. She feels like she's in danger and she sees danger through the windows. And uh, will she be able to lock the door in time to keep the you know bad people out? And uh, my my if she since she has both of these dreams, my guess and again every time we interpret a dream we're guessing. But my guess would be that since she had a narcissistic, let's say she had a narcissistic father, for example, uh, uh, most of us, about eighty five percent of us, according to some you know research studies, end up marrying somebody very similar to the parent of the opposite sex that we had growing up. So. If she had a narcissistic father, she was probably attracted to narcissistic guys to date, and she there's a good chance that she might have married a narcissist, and so he may have uh, he may be dangerous to her in various ways, maybe not physically, but uh, it could be even physically, but it it, it could just be in him controlling her like her dad yeah. did, yeah, emotionally. Mm. That's the dreams. Like that's, that's just my guess. <laughs> oh. And, and I wanted to say one more thing, because I love day programs. Uh, one interesting thing when I was preparing for this uh, program, this podcast that we're doing is uh, there was a study at, at Harvard that showed that, uh, you know, because usually we feel like there's no cure for narcissism because so few people do get over it. Narcissism and borderline personality disorder and sociopathic personality disorder, very, very few people ever get over it, but some people do. But one thing that Harvard showed that worked uh, the best was a whole year of day program, you know, at at our uh, clinics in Chicago and Dallas and a couple other places. We have a day program where people come seven hours a day, five days a week for three weeks, usually, or four weeks. uh, And and they gain insights and and we dig and probe and show them their unconscious and they cry and and grieve and and share it with each other and, and get healed, you know, but for something like narcissism or, or that type of thing, borderline personality disorder, uh, they found that it might take a whole year of day program. Of course, we don't do that ourselves. We don't, you know, we don't, you know, we, we treat people who are depressed and anxious. And, you know, right. Kind of, you know, normal people that aren't narcissists. But I thought that was interesting. A, a whole year of day yeah. program did result in change. And it says, but often group therapy by itself for an hour or two a week in prisons ended up with the prisoners getting even better at being narcissistic by learning new yeah. and more effective manipulative skills from each other. That does yeah, not surprise that. Be at all. <laughs> it's like oh, having uh, classes on how to be a better narcissist. I've helped a few. That's for dang sure. <laughs> Yeah. Or as Melissa Richards had said on, on a show when she used to be on, um, she'd give them a bunch of counselees and then they'd go out and just, you know, use that to manipulate people. So very, very true. So we're we're going to read from this list. Um, yeah. What, what is narcissistic kryptonite? Exactly. <laughs> well, kryptonite is, is the, is the, was it, what was it? A, uh, Superman. It's what made that, that Superman, Superman weak. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's not a stone. Yeah, it's a green stone. stone. Yeah. And it drains his power and drain. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what narcissists do. So, um, for a highly empathic person, a narcissist is going to be their kryptonite until you, you know, oh. learn what they. That's what this is. So, then, so the point. Weak. Exactly. They make you weak. So, and then okay. they do it on purpose. So, this is a an explanation of things that they do. And we'll throw some examples in here. It's a long list. We'll never be able to get through them on one show, but we're going to go through some examples and explanations given and uh, that are straight up, you know, like a Wikipedia thing, but these are a little more detailed than all the stuff that we research everywhere about this. And then we'll, whatever strikes us, we'll throw in an example in there. So the first thing is if you point out an error they made, they can go into a defensive mode, 
usually go into a defensive mode, counter any such notion with anger, venting, rage, cold shoulder, or withdraw. That's been my experience. <laughs> that has been my experience. <laughs> yeah, I do. And men and women might, men and women, women might do that a little bit differently. Uh, uh, they, they say that men have more of the uh, rage and anger, and uh, women might do it in different ways, like more by the cold shoulder withdrawing or things like that. Right. But I guess right. both. both. Yeah, I mean, I've seen narcissistic rage from a woman a few times. So, okay, give you a metaphorical rug and then keep pulling it out from under you. Can I go back to the first one? Yeah, absolutely. I got one more thing to say. Uh, Pointing out an error they make uh, uh, in uh, Proverbs 9, King Solomon, I just love the Proverbs. They're like a a psychology book written 3,000 years ago (laughs) or 2,000 years ago. Yeah, two thousand. Uh, no, three thousand. Yeah, two thousand years ago was Jesus. Three thousand years ago. Anyway, he, <laughs> did you he just said, say uh, Jesus as in Jesus, or Jesus, Jesus as in Jesus? Jesus lived on earth two thousand years ago, but Solomon <laughs> lived on earth and wrote the Proverbs three thousand years ago. So anyway, uh, but but Solomon uh, said that uh, one way you can tell if somebody's wise if you rebuke them and, and he meant you know confront them tactfully. If you confront a wise person, they love you for it. And uh, and I know the three of us, if we uh, confront each other, we we appreciate it and, uh, and and love each other even more. Uh, but if you if you rebuke a fool or a narcissist or a borderline personality, they'd all be considered you know an immature, emotionally immature, foolish person. If you uh, confront a narcissist, they'll just hate you for it. So don't waste your time with them. Well, I will them, say don't this: Don't bother I, confronting a yeah. narcissist. And just to throw out, because we do have quite a number of people with that have been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder that listen and they're in active treatment and they work so hard to manage those emotional highs and lows. And um, so I want to give a shout out to them because man, they work hard. It's not an easy, not an easy disorder to have. And all Um, of us have a few narcissistic traits and borderline traits and Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So the next one was give you a metaphorical rug and then keep pulling it out from under you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've said that I always felt like they're, they kept, no matter how high I jumped, they were always going to throw something out higher and they'll use other people to motivate you to, to do that. They use it because it feeds their ego while you're jumping ever higher for them, their respect for you is going lower and lower and lower because they, because you actually are doing things for them and they hate themselves, um, you know, underneath all that braggadocio, some of them anyway, that's debatable, I think, to some people. But um, the more I've found that I jumped through hoops for them that they were holding up for me to jump through, the, the worse they treated me in terms of respect. Or they'll say, I didn't give you permission to land, did I? <laughs> so I don't want you to jump. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So, so what, what do you think, Melanie? So a metaphorical rug would be just yes. impossible expectations? It, or what? Well, I think it's uh, a constant false sense of security. So my experience has been um, they'll offer you security. Uh, and, and just when you're about to uh, show your vulnerability or start to feel comfortable, they yank the rug out from under you. Uh, and they're, therefore, you're on shaky ground again. So it's this constant, let's let them get comfortable, let's let them get comfortable, and then they snatch the rug out from under you so that you just, you never have your footing and you never have your, and that makes you weak and it makes you vulnerable and it makes you more pliable to what they want from you. So that to me is a metaphor. Yeah, that's the metaphor Yes, yeah. they do absolutely. that to their kids too. They they uh, oh, yeah. say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, come pick you up Saturday, and we're gonna go, you know, to this uh, football game, or we're gonna do this or do that, and then they then they don't do what they so they set you know they they don't keep their promises either. I don't know yep. if that's related to this or not. No, I think it is. Yeah, yeah I think it I is. I mean, it can it can be, but um, but I mean, I think it can be Boy, used, are. but I think there can be other things that go on there too. They are blowhards, braggarts, blusterers, browbeaters, bullies, big-headed, and ultimately bogus. 
Yes, <laughs> that would be my experience. <laughs> what, what's a brow beater? What does that mean, brow beater? It's kind of the same, oh. like beat you down with verbally, you know, you yeah. know, you're an idiot, oh, you're a oh. this. Oh, I just, yeah. Okay. There's a, so you're, 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 you're frown, you have a frown on your head. So they're beating your brow down, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there, there's a movie out um, that's about a psychopath that does write about narcissism. And now he's calling himself a psychopath, whatever. The, the guy is so awful. But in the movie, you see him just verbally browbeating people in the movie with him because it's a documentary and it's just you know you're an idiot your intelligence is suspect you're a lazy you have lazy intel i mean just on and on and on <laughs> some you know someone that someone else that i know calls captain chronos but yeah they that's what they mean by browbeating um, help you gain certain skills, info connections, but then forever make you feel beholden to them. Yes, because they feel entitled. If they do anything for you, then you should be forever in servitude to them. <laughs> it's that false sense of, you know, that grand noise personality of thinking that they're owed something. Yeah, they'll go out of their way for you, but they're never going to let you live it down. That's that's been so my experience. They're not going to do anything nice for you for free. In other words, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly, right? exactly. They don't do it. You know, we, we do nice things for people just because we love them, and uh, they do nice things for people so that they'll hold them. In yeah. fact, oh. in in, uh, in in my book, uh, uh, one of the first books I wrote, the second book I wrote is Happiness Is a Choice, and uh, uh, in there I, I give uh, you know seven guidelines for having a happy life, but one of them is uh is to, to figure out you know maybe once a week or something figure out somebody that you can do something nice for that they never find out about that yep. secret you know th do something nice for somebody and they don't even know that it's you that did it because uh, then you're doing it just you know to be nice you know you're doing it without expecting anything in return and a narcissist would never do that uh, they, no. you know, they don't even want to be nice to you unless you owe them Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. And I've had millions of examples of that. I've got to a point with someone where that always throws their money at people um, where when I started saying, no, I don't want anything else from you. Your gifts are come with strings that just are a noose around my neck. <laughs> They're not really gifts. And um, that, you know, that was the beginning of hell week when I brought that up. Um all right. Extremely skilled at making anyone under their influence crave their approval. Oh, this one mm -hmm. is like, this is cult-like. Mm -hmm. When they say extremely skilled, I have a good example on this, but I'm going to go to you, Paul, with that first. Well, boy, you know, we have, um, we have seen a lot of um, uh, like cults as a, as a psychiatrist, I've seen people that, were actually taken under by cults, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, like I, I'll go ahead and name Scientology. You know, cause, mm -hmm. uh, I don't mind saying it's a cult. And if you look at a lot of these things, like Scientology, and I'm not going to name some of the other ones. I don't want to offend uh, people from different groups that, that are that are listening. But if if you go to their headquarters and study, you know, almost all of them are run by sociopaths that manipulate uh, people and make them. Um, feel important, then they, they need the approval of the leaders in order to feel like they're significant. And uh, like even in Waco here, I, I live in Dallas, and in Waco, David Koresh and his group, mm -hmm. you know, that that uh, got pretty well shot and all that. Um, you know, it was like that. Or James Jones, was it, that got everybody to drink Kool-Aid so they could yeah. all go to heaven yeah. together. And, and uh, But it, it, it's hard to imagine. Why would people off of that you know but they do maybe it's because they had narcissistic parents so they're attracted to narcissistic leaders but there's a lot of uh there's a lot of narcissists in in like i said most pastors are really wonderful people and most people that are missionaries and things like that are wonderful people but we learned in residency there's an awful lot of people that are in religious work that uh in a lot of uh, there's a lot of pastors that are uh, narcissists and uh, use it to 
um, you know, to influence, to control people, not to influence them in a good way. Absolutely. How about you, Melanie? And this is, this is, we know that a lot of them crave approval and that's yes. another side of this, but that, that ability to have people around them um, under their influence and crave their approval. Well, generally you can't do anything right for these people. Uh, nothing you do is good enough. They don't want you to feel like you're good enough because that's how they keep control of you. You know, we have to, when we think about narcissists, we have to think about one of their driving factors is control. Uh, and if, and I mean, how better can they puppet you around than for you seeking their approval? Because what happens is the, the person that's being, uh, you know, victimized by this type of behavior, it, they're constantly trying to get the approval of the person because then they think this type of crazy making will will stop and that's just not true it again it's just a way for them to maintain control it's really quite scary absolutely and i've seen yeah. it happen in small companies and large companies um i had one where everybody that worked there would stand around and and like try to listen in to this just the most influential seeming male you've ever met in your entire life, the most boring person you've ever met, but he was such a narcissist. The staff would stand around trying to listen to his phone conversations outside of his door, or you would take a trip with them to go visit a client and they would talk nonstop about him and then call other people in the office to see what he's doing while they're gone. And I remember driving the car with one of these women and I was, and I just said, Oh my, please, please stop talking about him. He is the least interesting person I've ever met in my life. This is when I was, you know, not under the influence of him anymore. And, um, and they just couldn't do it. They couldn't, could not, could not do it. And it, and it was scary. What's scary about it is that when you, when you get out from those things and you look at these people, they're, nothing like what you made them out to be when you were under their control and you're you're embarrassed often and sickened at how much control this very small sad person had over you does that make sense yeah. oh yes and it would, when i'm treating somebody that was married to a narcissist and then they they uh, finally break free and go through a divorce and all that uh and, and they say but I loved him or her. I loved her so much. I loved him so much. And I know he loved me too. But in reality, he didn't love you. And no. you didn't really love him. You loved who you thought he was. That's what I tell him. You didn't love him. If you would have known who he really was, you wouldn't have loved him. You loved who you thought he was. Yep. He pretended to be. Absolutely. Yes, totally agree. So make you feel special and then emotionally distance themselves in ways that keep you unsure of yourself. Yes. Yep. <laughs> That's what we were just speaking of. Yes. Yes, they do. They make you feel special. And as soon as they, they feel um, that, that they've made you feel that way, then they make you question it so that you're constantly trying to prove yourself to them. And that goes back to the control piece yep. and wanting their approval. Mm -hmm. You want to feel like you just sucked on a lemon drop and it's sour and your your mouth is pooling with saliva because you're just so, it's so sour. It's when you, you see who they are and then you watch them do that same, make you feel special to someone new. And you know you can't tell that person who they really are because they'll get just as mad at you as you got at other people that warned you. And you had to sit there and watch this cavity forming in the new person's mouth and you just go, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. that, that's not fun. Um, Paul, do you have anything you want to add to that one? No, not really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I know. I'm but very I, descriptive. No, yeah, not really. That's, yeah. Okay, use a judgmental, you're okay, you're not okay yo-yo to keep you off balance and blameworthy. And we can just keep going through these until we hit one that you guys let me know when I hit one that you want to add to. Groom people via manipulation. Oh, wait, 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 let's explain that one, though. Use judgments that, that you're okay, you're not okay. Um, Yo-yoing to keep you off balance and blameworthy. Okay, so there... Yes. So, Sometimes they're going to tell you that you're okay and sometimes tell you that you're not okay. You don't know. 
Uh, sometimes yeah. you're a princess and, and sometimes you're the frog. I mean, that's <laughs> basically they treat you like you're special and then they don't. And then they treat you like you're someone special and then they like don't. Dirt. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I was. I would be told you are the most mentally healthy person I've ever met. Mm -hmm. And then two weeks later, who would okay. work with you? You are mentally ill. I mean, that yeah. when that went on, all, yeah. no one would want to work with you. And I'm, and and they keep that in their pocket because later, when they get caught doing something they shouldn't do, they can blame you, saying you're see you're mentally ill because they've already planted that yeah. seed. Yeah. Okay. Um, groom people. <laughs> yeah. Groom people via manipulation, charm, rage combo to sell their reality rationalizations to others. I think we just um, we just covered that. We call that to grooming the flying monkeys. I don't know, Paul, if you've heard us use that term before. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. That's flying when a, a narcissistic person grooms people around them, typically people that tend to be psychophants, sometimes they're really nice people and they just trust, they, they haven't seen the other side of the narcissist yet. And they groom people, manipulating them um, in order to get them to, you know, be angry on their behalf or to hurt other people on their behalf so that they don't have to take the blame for it and that and and these people are so bought into the persona that they will defend them yeah. you know to the death yeah and, and they do that yeah they pit people against people and, and and sometimes they do it to control sometimes that uh i've heard that a lot of times they do it just because they're bored so <laughs> if they can get people to fight with each other you know it, it brings a little joy to them oh absolutely absolutely yep <laughs> I had one that would tell me he would talk about it like a chess game, like that he sat down the night before yeah. and he pictured if he said this to this person, then did this to that person. And then he knew that they would end up fighting. And then he, he said, I get to sit back and it's so fun. And I just looked at him like, you're the devil. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in our, in the day program, uh, uh, I mean, we, we try, you know, we, we're pretty careful who we admit. We don't want to admit, narcissists because they would disrupt the group but sometimes somebody that's pretty narcissistic might get in there and you can tell because uh, they'll they'll go up to the you know my nurse and say you know dr meyer said you're not any good or they'll come up to me and say well your nurse said you were wrong about that medication and uh and, and they'll go up to patients uh you know like if if the patient gets confronted by the group therapist uh he'll go up to that patient or she later and say that wasn't fair for him to confront you like that because that you know he he just you know he was blaming you and it wasn't your fault blah 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 so they go around pitting people uh against each other you know they manipulate mm -hmm. um, to control you and get you mad at other people absolutely i've never hated people i don't even know like i did when i was around a narcissist oh <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, melanie what about you Absolutely. I mean, this is one of, you know, another very useful tool they, they keep in their, I mean, this is triangulation that, yes. that we're, we're talking about. So uh, the more they can keep the soup stirred and everybody, uh, you know, thinking that someone else may be saying something, then once again, the more control they have. So um, you have to be really careful when, when you know you're around someone that's a narcissist that you really protect your your friendships and your acquaintances because they they can really stir things up you know there's some you know in in marital situations where one person is a narcissist the narcissist will actually turn the spouse's own family against them mm -hmm. uh, that's how much that's that's how good they are at manipulating and triangulating so yeah and sometimes it, it, a therapist yeah. In churches, lots of times they'll cause a church split. Yeah. Like I've seen churches where, yeah, like I've seen churches where the pastor's doing a great job and the people are growing and all that sort of thing. And then the song leader will go up to uh, people that have his trust and say, God just told me that I should take over for the pastor. And some people are naive enough to believe him. And, uh, you know, and, and he believes himself or acts like he does. And, 
and uh, but he's just being a narcissist. And then another one is when you get a, uh, I, I've got I've got a situation just recently where a really nice uh, pastor, uh, his church was so successful and doing well that he decided to bring in a consultant because he needed to hire an assistant. And so he brought in a consultant from out of state. And the consultant <laughs> met with his elders and said he wasn't uh, spiritual enough. He needed to be uh, expelled and, and that the consultant should replace him. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah. and the elders mm-hmm. fell for it. And so mm-hmm. they bring, they brought in the consultant. And I, I told him, I said, if I wish I would have known you before you did that, because I would tell any any anyone that, uh, you know, any pastor that wants a consultant to come and talk to you and don't, you know, and don't, and don't let them gain from it personal things. Like if you hire an investor, the same thing, don't ever invest in something that an investor profits from, you know, pay an investor by the hour for advice, but don't invest in things that, that the investor is going to profit in because there's narcissistic investors. No, you know, they'll rip you off. Right, exactly. This one is really good. Um, Virtually all of their ideas or ways of behaving in a given situation are taken from others, people they know and perhaps think of as an authority. (laughs) So true. (laughs) Man, I have had emails copied of mine and passed off as somebody else's. And then I've had... um, my entire company copied. Uh, I've had words that I've said used in a story told by a narcissist while I'm sitting there looking at them going, I just told you that last night. And their response is, so why are you so upset? You're not the only one who comes up with ideas. (laughs) So they copy your stuff. Yes. Yeah, they mimic. They mimic because they 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 don't have the capacity to do it themselves. There's there's so little internal direction that they watch what is successful for other people, and then they just mimic whatever that is down to people's, uh, you know, linguistics how and how they dress and how the mannerisms. It is frightening. Yeah. So as much as they like to puppet other people, they they really are puppets of everyone around them. Yeah. Imagine, you know, every time you are with the, the, a narcissist is with someone, all of a sudden they dress exactly like the new person that they're love bombing. Yes. Um, they start wearing the same tennis shoes. They start driving a similar yeah. car, you know, eating at those restaurants, all that kind of stuff, because they don't have any ideas. They have no sense of themselves. Yeah. It's all from other you know, people. Uh, you know, uh, my wife and I, you guys know me so well, you know, my wife and I like to watch scary movies, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and when you were saying that there's, there, I've seen several, uh, and I don't remember the names of them, but there's, I, I, I remember several, I remember one in particular where, uh, that happens and the narcissist becomes friends with uh, somebody else who's real popular and successful and moves in as a roommate. And then she starts dressing more and more like her. She gets the same hairdo. And she she borrows the other one's clothes without asking her. Single white one, female. No, huh? Single, Single white, white female. female. That's a yeah. movie. That's you it. Yeah. Saw it that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And it's yep. really a scary movie. And mm-hmm. uh, and and finally, finally, the one being copied finally figures it out. But uh, I don't remember who dies in it. But you know, uh, well, yep, we don't want to tell happens. the answer anyway, do we? because it's a good movie (laughs) but that that's freaky it is freaky when you when you see that because you're just you yeah it's just really weird to see someone that had that is so devoid of of having a a sense of self um that's it's just bizarre it's like you're watching a invasion of the body snatchers um all right their sense of self-importance and lack of empathy means they will often interrupt the conversations of others well i've interrupted people but (laughs) (laughs) do we want to go into that one or move on (laughs) i do that sometimes the radio (laughs) (laughs) we all do that but i guess this is uh this is a my wife, my wife will, if my wife were on the uh, this podcast with us right now, she would say that I do that sometimes when she's sharing something too. I'm feeling <laughs> a little guilt here. 
Right. All right. Expect others to do mundane things since they feel too important to do them. Yes. Yes. That is so true. <laughs> What's your story, Kristen? <laughs> I just had one tell me that he used to clean the toilets at this place that he worked and did all these menial jobs and I looked at him and I was like you are such a liar you haven't cleaned a toilet in your whole life (laughs) ridiculous I saw I saw a patient um about let's see two hours ago um two or three hours ago who went through a divorce but um her husband was real controlling and uh, he was real narcissistic, and he wouldn't even work. I mean, she she supported the family, and uh, so he lived off her income, and he wouldn't even do any chores in the house. Mm-hmm. So he controlled her, and she did whatever he wanted, and then uh, and, and and he didn't even work, and then he wouldn't even do the chores. Then she had to come home and do the chores, and he wouldn't even do any chores. Yep. Talk about narcissism. Absolutely. That's, that's what you just read. That, that yep. Constant they use. Do the thing. Yeah, the exactly. Thing. And it, it's beneath them, but it's not beneath you. <laughs> no. Same thing with my uh, my money is my money, and your money is my money. <laughs> that's <also> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Constant use of I, me, and my when they talk. I'm so careful about that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, very rarely talk about their inner life memories and dreams, for example. That is very true. I, I remember riding yeah. in a car with one and I said, you know, we were riding in a car for a long time. And I said, well, you know, tell me about your life. And it was this peachy keen story that lasted about seven minutes. And I was like, well, do you have 12 days for me to talk about? <laughs> it was so a surface nothing and it wasn't because he um you know wasn't able or capable of having those kind of conversations it was just that that's about as deep as he got yeah or they they talk about the events of the day or what happened at work there's no meaningful conversation there's no connection because they don't have the ability to connect to anyone yep and so that's why they even see hello melanie melanie do you think they even see their inner lives I do not. I don't. They have so, so little self introspection that. Yeah. Yeah. They they, they just don't see it. They have. It's just it's like a blind spot. It it really is like a blind spot. Yeah. It ties in. Point out something. They just, you know, get mad at you. Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. No, no, no. I, I, this goes with the next one. Um, I'm skipping one, but the, the one underneath goes really well with it. Are stuck in one level of maturity where growth is not an option. Paul, I'm going to throw that one at you. <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't, they don't grow up. You know, they, you're right. I mean, they, the, the way they are when they're, uh, they, they learn to be that way. And maybe we should get into how it's formed. Um, you know, if we have time, I don't know if we still have time to get into some of that, but they, they become that. I, I believe that a narcissist, uh, when he or she is 30 years old, was a narcissist when they were six years old. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe when they were three years old, because uh, about half your personality is formed by three and about 85% by the sixth birthday. It doesn't mean you're locked into anything because, you know, with, with the help of God and a good woman, <laughs> and, and a good therapist you need god a good woman and a good therapist then uh then then anybody can change you know but but um they, they get stuck in a level of maturity and they just stay there because in order to grow we have to have insight you know I, when i see things in me that are disgusting that i never saw before and i can feel sad about it but not beat myself up and say okay what can i learn from that then I feel like that's when I, that's when I grow. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I have to look at things that I'm doing that, that are not healthy or that are narcissistic or selfish in order to grow away from that. I I want to become, become the, the older I get, I'd like to become less narcissistic and more loving. 
And right. I don't think we ever totally totally arrived there, but that's that's my goal. Well, you have to be able to sit with your pain and grow from your pain, and they are always escaping pain. Yeah, they don't see it. They don't see yeah. wrong with it. They're creating a persona. It, it like you said, though, uh, on a previous program, you, both of you talked about how deep down they really do have a lot of insecurities and inferiority feelings. And, but, I, you know, underneath it all, underneath their facade of excellence. Yep, absolutely. Melanie, what about you with the level of maturity? <laughs> I mean, it's completely stunted. Uh, one thing that helps us move on to higher levels of maturity is uh, responsibility for your actions and, res and responsibility for your mistakes and, and having that introspection so that you can, uh, you know, have some type of resolve with it and then move forward. But if they're unable to see or have, you know, such a lack of insight into their own behavior, then there's no opportunity to grow. Uh, there, there's, I mean, every, you know, narcissists act like three to five year olds. Literally, mm -hmm. I've seen a narcissistic person stomp. I've literally <laughs> seen them stomp the floor, like like a child. I mean, I've I've and and throw fits, and it's just. I mean, we all get angry, but. It, Literally, it literally looks like a temper tantrum, an adult with a temper tantrum. So, yeah, it's yeah, just know, a I real like lack to... of possibility. You, you, you know, a narcissist at a, at a party, they'll, they'll sit down and talk to you about themselves um, for about 30 straight minutes. And then they'll say, well, I've talked enough about me. Now tell me what you think about me. <laughs> they don't want to know yeah. anything about you. They'll talk about themselves for half an hour, and then they want you to talk about them for the next half an hour. You know something I I noticed like when you talk about that one, um, I noticed that about myself. If I'm in a party situation, I will, um, I will immediately go into on mode. Like, and, and I know where it comes from because I was always expected to, I, I call it, you know, get up and dance monkey. Um, my, you know, my mom would be like, Kristen, tell them, tell everyone at the party about when you blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I, I always was waiting to when I was going to have to perform for whoever was there. And I got Make so used good. to that. I hated it. I got so used to it um, that I will do that at a party. And it, I probably have had some people think, oh my gosh, she's such a narcissist. Cause I go right into like telling stories about guests I've had on the show and different scenarios of this and that. And I think, oh, you know, I, I have to stop and go, you don't have to be on. You do not have to be on. You can just sit here. And, you know, most parties I end up in a corner listening to someone else talk about it, all their problems. But I noticed as I got, older you know i noticed when i was more more around family again that i started to do that that i had done as a kid and i have to really stop myself and go this is not attractive stop <laughs> mm -hmm. so you know and a narcissist would not say that so <laughs> or a highly well, narcissistic person would not say that because that's definitely not it's not attractive so how can we more to death if you talked about yourself he would be bored to death because he just wants to talk about or she yes. uh, himself you know so absolutely absolutely so let's talk about how this what this has to do with um need some narcissist kryptonite the reason why we go through this list is because the key to understanding um their behavior and and having to deal with it is knowing what the behavior is and that's your kryptonite when you know the thing that they run from is anyone that sees them exactly as who they are. So that's your kryptonite. Well, Knowing all these things. On him, on the Absolutely. Yes. I mean, it can also be the other way. If you don't fall for it, mm -hmm. if you don't fall for it and you understand what they're doing, you say, ah, they're doing this thing. They're doing that thing. That the things that we've mentioned. And uh, then you let it go in one ear and out the other, and, and uh, that drives them nuts. And away from yeah, you, they can't manipulate you. They'll find somebody else they can manipulate. 
And who cares if they say, yeah, if, if they tell everyone at the party that you're the most boring person that ever lived, think to yourself, good, because then they'll leave you alone. (laughs) So this is their kryptonite is that, or your knowing of it is, you know, that they do all these things and that is what drains the people around them. So that's them, you know, using their kryptonite on you, your kryptonite on them is knowing all these things being able to see them in the moment as much as possible. And, um, and then so that you don't get a hook, you don't have these behaviors. They either don't wound you because you know, it's that person. So they don't wound you, which is draining. And they don't, um, you know, they don't uh, make you angry um, and defensive because that would get them excited. They've gotten a reaction out of you. They don't get their hooks into you. So the kryptonite term can be used either way. That's why it's good to know these things. And uh, there are many lists, but, um, and, and these are, we've got a whole other page of more, <laughs> of more. We got another page of a, of a hundred, a <laughs> uh, hundred yeah. narcissistic traits. Yeah. You know, right. we, we could do about 50 hours of uh, programs of narcissism. Uh, yep. One one thing one thing that people do uh, if they're in a relationship with a narcissist is they frequently tell me that they have to walk on eggshells around the other. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, they're tell, afraid tell of a narcissist. And I tell them, yep. don't. You know, the Bible says, speak the truth in love, and just just uh, be honest and be uh, truthful. And uh, and if you do that, they're gonna. You don't have to worry about divorcing them. They're gonna divorce you. Yes. you know, they'll leave you. Because uh, they don't want to be around somebody that that doesn't fall for their tricks and all that, you know. Like you were talking about kryptonite, you'll be kryptonite if 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 you don't walk on eggshells and just tell them the truth. But uh, things as you see them, they will get so mad that they'll reject you. Absolutely, and, and that's good, which is absolutely a blessing. if they reject you, that's a blessing. It, it <laughs> Thank is. God it's a that huge. They rejected you. It's a huge blessing. I said this last week, you know, one of them I know fired themselves. I was like, I, I, I just, guys just started disengaging and throwing up walls. They fired themselves. <laughs> Hallelujah. I was so happy. And I'm sure that they are well, out there. Boundaries because yeah. you're boundaries. Exactly. Yeah. And, right. And I'm the biggest imbecile that ever walked in their eyes because I didn't do their, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? That is just fine with me. Think that all day long. Um, yeah. I, I thought this coming under narcissist, subconscious, false ego, this is a good one, I thought, to kind of close this particular show out. There's four of them, but we'll talk about the one at the end here. Early emotional trauma freezes their worldview at that age, making mm-hmm. them immature impatient and inconsiderate yep that trauma childhood yep. trauma can definitely contribute to narcissism yeah there's, so. there's a whole bunch of we, we we could do a whole program on causes because mm-hmm. when i studied this uh earlier today for our program um you know it, it says that there's multiple multiple causes of narcissism and so that would be one would be a, a severe trauma and you know another one would be getting spoiled by your parents right. another one would be inconsistent parenting where they're nice to you one minute and don't don't meet your needs another minute and and uh, uh abuse could be one and and even uh brain you know that they some of them have brains that are shaped different on the inside than people that aren't narcissists so some of it can even be a genetic uh, tendency Absolutely. And I think um, what's interesting, too, is how the same child in the same, you know, brought siblings, one cannot be one and one can become one. The other one could be the most empathetic, caring person on the planet. And that's how they grew up. And the other one became a narcissist. So um, it's interesting how that can how that can happen. Kristen, have you ever noticed that uh, that some of the nicest people that you ever meet are children of narcissists? Oh, absolutely. Those are all my friends. <laughs> they're, they're some of the nicest people. I mean, genuinely, yes. genuinely nice. Yes. Caring, loving yeah. people. And I guess it's so they, I guess they had to be humble to be the child of a narcissist, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, some uh, of them know, grew up to. They become humble, loving. Mm-hmm. They become wonderful people. 
Yeah, I mean, the, some of them grow up to be narcissists themselves, but the ones that I've met have, have dealt with one or both parents. And I mean, they're definitely people that get triggered, you know, more easily than other people. Um, but they're also the amount of depth that they have, their ability to um, process emotions, be emotionally mature, um, be live in reality. If they um, get insight into their family dynamics. Yeah, especially when that happens. But yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing people. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and uh, you know, a lot of people say that uh, a lot of the people that I know that are that have been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder um, have said that having a narcissistic parent um, is it was the start of of that um, for them. And I can see, I can definitely see that hands down. I can see that. So, yeah, I can too, for sure. Yep. It's a lifelong struggle uh, when you come out of that kind of a um, parentage. So, but we can do it, people, listeners, we can do it. We we'll just keep <laughs> getting educated and uh, keep being as empathetic as you all are. And thank you so much, um, Paul and Melanie, for coming on and talking about this one. This is a new one for us. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you, Paul. You're welcome. <laughs> and thank you, listeners, for Narcissist Kryptonite on Mental Health News Radio. Hi, this is Dr. Paul Meyer, founder of the National Chain of Meyer Clinics. I've often told you about how people just like you are getting the healing that they need from emotional issues like depression, anxiety, anger problems, and relational problems. We wanted to share with you Mickey's experience at our day program and how it has affected his life. The Meyer Clinics has been a real blessing to me. Dr. Meyer told me that people get well here and my life has been completely changed. I have been symptom free for three years and I'd recommend it to anybody that really wants to overcome an emotional problem of any kind. Mickey's story is like so many others that we receive. It's an encouragement to us, and we hope it will also be an encouragement to you to call us to get the emotional help that you've needed. Please call toll-free 888-7-CLINIC to be connected to the Meyer Clinic program nearest you. That's 1-888-7-C-L-I-N-I-C. Or go to MeyerClinics.com. That's www.meierclinics.com. Without good intentions, I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial.